listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and today joining me, a returning guest I'm so happy to have back, Mr. Kalen Chase. Kalen, how you doing, bud? I am doing fairly well, my friend. Uh, I can't complain. I mean, we all have plenty to complain about, but since we all have the same problems right now, we can all shut the fuck up and try to live. That's a that's a good point. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna keep that in mind. That's incredible. That's a good point. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm happy to have you back. It kind of seems like you know from the last time you did this, where you were here just as my friend, we talked about Tom Waits. Now we're here. I want to talk about what you're doing now musically because it seems very exciting. You seem like you you're on a new path. It's fresh, and you've got really like a whole new lease on what you're doing in music. So that's kind of what we're gonna focus on today, and. Uh, I want to kind of start at the beginning of all this because you, like I said, like we talked earlier, you did corn, you did Vimic and that and Vimic kind of ended weird. And was that what kind of set you up to start doing this again? Cause I'm assuming you never really stopped writing music. You just kind of either like put it aside for something else or you wrote a different type of music. So where does the journey for this new solo project begin essentially? So I always, uh, I came up in, that kind of music uh you know especially in the growing up in the church there was some really really good singer songwriter indie rock stuff um but like most christian music is is talked about as being five years behind everything else like you know nirvana comes out with nevermind and then in 1997 uh jesus freak from dc talk comes out which is a <laughs> late ripoff uh, yep. for those who don't know so I was never into any of that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I listened to it as a little guy, but as I started getting serious into music, there were some amazing bands that were happened to be in the Christian scene that were forefronts on shoegaze, indie rock, folk, um, just amazing stuff. So I always had that in the wheelhouse. But um, and I, I, when metal happened, when I got the corn gig, I was pretty much thrust into that situation. That's where the pay was. And I had a metal band that I was really spearheading with my friends, and we yeah. were doing very well. So while I was doing that, I was still playing acoustic gigs here and there. Um, it was just always, and, and, and doing like indie rock songs, like with friends and, and making my alternative music. Uh, and everybody was like, dude, you should really do a solo record. I was like, yeah, wh- who has the time? You know, I, I was, <laughs> uh, but I, you know, it was, it never left. When uh, Vimic, when Vimic shut down, uh, I was, I didn't really know what I was going to do. And my producer, Kato Kandwana, which I never say his name right, but he's dead, so he's not going to get mad at me. Love you, buddy. R.I.P. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, was, he was working with me. He did the Vimic record uh, in 2017 in Iowa, and in 2018 relocated to L.A., and we started working together nonstop. And he started listening to my solo stuff and was pushing me to do it, especially when Vimic started uh, not being you know, active. And he was going to produce all that. So I had kind of like a a light at the end of the tunnel and then he died in a motorcycle record uh, accident. And, uh, and that was like, fuck. Am I allowed to say fuck on this podcast? Oh yeah. Put that, put that explicit tag to work, man. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Well, I certainly will. Uh, Hopefully in a more Oscar Wilde way than in a kid rock way. But, uh, Uh, so I was kind of stunted there for a bit. I was, I didn't know what to do. And I just, that's what put me into the, the path of just doing it myself, really doing it solo. I ended up talking to, uh, and I, by solo, I mean, I'm in the creative control. I'm writing the music. 
um, I write with my brother. I've, I've got a great team of people who play and produce me. I've got Phil English uh, from oh. Eldorado Studios. I got Zach Cassick in uh, Nashville at Wild Feather Recording. I've got amazing musicians, Brian Viglione from the Dresden Dolls, Rick Brandt, my brother, um, so many people, too many to name, and I'm not good at being thankful. So everybody knows I love them and I appreciate it. But I've got an army of people behind me, but this is my, my music. And that's led to everything that's happening now. All right. I love, I love it. It's great. And I'm glad you finally did that. Cause to me, you're never some, to me, you've never seen like someone like you're not scared to wear your influences on, on your sleeve, even though like, you know, people may know you as the metal guy, but you know, we became friends cause of Tom Waits and Amen. Nick Cave. So yeah, I'm glad you were able to finally, you know, someone pushed you to do that, you know, rest, rest in peace, man, to, the, to yes. your friend. That's, that's terrible. But it's, it's toughy. It's a toughie. I never, never lost anybody that close before I've lost like, older family members who we were kind of prepared for and that's hard in its own way but yeah and i've had some friends like you know we, we all lose people but this one was like i was literally there and left his studio 20 minutes before he left and died you know it's like oh that's the that's the hard part um but it's you can't really we can't shake our hands at the empty sky and, and wonder what's going to happen and if you know whoever's up there or whatever's up there i'm not smart enough to question it so you just have to move on. And that's what he would have done. He, he, he had plenty of tragedy. And so many people have had tragedy. You either sit here and do nothing and piss and moan, or you do the work. Whatever the work is, you know, make something. Or if you're not a creative person, just wake up and do something to make somebody else's life better than it was before they met you. You know, even if it's your fucking roommate. Like, wake up and be a really nice person for a day and make somebody feel good. You're doing something better than than what most people do and i'm guilty of sitting on my ass and wallowing in my own victim hoods self-pity and uh so i feel like i can really rip on people who are doing that now because i'm safe <laughs> on my internet so fuck all y'all <laughs> i love it and uh, good things came definitely came out of this starting with it seemed like to me the first thing that kind of came out of this new wave of music for you was that first hi-fi americana album which is a collaborative record record it's you it's your brother nick fitzmo uh, michelle paul bellatoni and it's a great record and there's some great songs on there and uh i wanted to ask you about one of my favorites on there uh which is dear god because to me it's the perfect song because it hits a part of me that like has like a bit of an issue with religion but also it's not so serious in a way you can almost laugh at it a little bit little bit like the message is sincere but the song is also very lighthearted in a way i thank you for uh getting that i think that the, the really hard issues laughter and crying are so close together when you're in a real grieving or real traumatic situation you know there's so many things going on and i think the uh the damages that religion has done uh and the the good that it's done kind of go hand in hand. And so I wanted to do, and the whole thing is like, you, you, you have me talking to God and you have me saying shit and fuck in the first few lines. Yeah. And so people will automatically tune it out as something blasphemous, anti-religion. And it's, it's, it's really not, it's just an honest, my honest opinion about the whole situation. I hope you know, I love you, Lord. I just hate all your fans. And that's that where the fun comes in. It's it. And I mean, the line, you know, it, 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 there's kind of a smile in the whole song until the bridge where it's like, if God is love, then we are all atheists. And that's when yeah. they, oh, wait, this guy's, 
this guy clearly has some form of trauma. <laughs> but then you get right back into the, the tongue in cheek. I, I think that if, I think it's for my, myself and my platform to not wallow or be too emotional, to be able to kind of be stoic and when it is real, you know, pop it out and then bring back into the tongue in cheek. Uh, that's what, Dear God, was an exercise. I, I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't rip off any specific song. <laughs> In fact, I refused to listen to anything all through because I knew I was going to use this. But Father John Misty, mm. um, who, if you haven't checked out, like, he had this kind of acerbic tongue-in-cheek thing. And I heard in the somebody, my buddy John Fitzgerald, Michelle Fitzgerald's wife from Fitzmo, or husband, sorry, John, uh, <laughs> was, uh, she turned me on to him. And I was like, I got to write a song like this. And I didn't want to do copy the music. I wanted to copy the concept. And I was like, I have ammo from years and years of growing up in this. I was like, this is the time. And that thing came together so smoothly. I, I barely take credit for it. I think the good Lord himself wanted to do a, be self-depreciating, so he gave me a hand. I, I think so. I think so. It really is a magic song. And like you, I grew up in that, in that too. So, man, it, it really hit me these last few years because well, I've been kind of coming to terms with it. And like, like you say in there, I, I, I don't hate you. I just hate your fans. And that, that really is what I've come to, too. So that's true. So that record came together, and you're, you've got two tracks on there. You guys are set up to do this incredible show in Los Angeles, this record release show, and then this fucking virus hits. <laughs> this terrible, yes. terrible virus hits. Like, literally on the eve of that show, like, I, I remember my, my parents were visiting, and there was already talk of, like, airports shutting down. And yep. they were like, oh, crap, we're going to be able to get back home to the farm type thing, type thing. So when that happened, like, did that kind of, were you for a second like, oh, shit, maybe I should, like, back cut a little bit? Or were you like, well, I'm, lo I'm indoors. I might as well just charge full steam ahead. It wasn't. Uh, so right before the show, there was a bunch of worry. We were getting the text from the family, and we opted to go through with the show because we – didn't know how bad it was going to be. And fortunately, um, no one I know who was at the show is dead. And we're very fortunate about that. Had we had more intel, we'd have probably canceled the show. But when this started going down, um, even so after that, I flew to Nashville because there was a hurricane. We had a house out here. So we were going to see out, you know, if there was any internal damage that people missed. Yeah. Um, I ended up cooking food for some families, displaced families. And I was going to be there for a week working on my record uh, with at Wild Feather Susan with Zach. And a buddy of ours who had some connects in the government says, hey, you need to get home ASAP. It's going down. And I was so pissed. And I started, that was that moment. Like, I react worse when my plans are altered. Like, like if I have a set course and it's altered, that was where I kind of snapped. I was being really good. I was like, all right, we have to be careful. We're going to get through this, the virus. We're going to be all be smart and it'll pass. We're going to make our music. Everything's going to be just fine. Then when I'm in Nashville and I hear that, I was like, oh, we're fucked. And so we finished up doing the, the food cooking thing. And I, we got a, a flight like day later. And I was like, I got to write a song about this. So nice. the question is, I refuse. There, there's, I will not stop doing anything no matter what happens. Uh, barring my untimely death, which will be a murder, just want to put that out there. Uh, I wrote uh, "When the Sun Comes Up," uh, specifically about what was happening in the world right then, and, and this was done before there was, you know, knowledge about the specifics of the thing. But I think it still stands up, and I even played it again during the election insanity. Uh, you know, the song kind of holds up with how we react to things, and at the end of the day, it's you know, 
we're all going to have to pay the piper for how we react. It's basically a nice way of saying, can we all just be civil for fuck's sake and sensible? Yeah. Uh, I agree. And I'm glad you mentioned that song because I was going to ask you about that next. Uh, to me, it's unique for you in that, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but to me, you don't strike me as someone, you're not going to write a song like We Are The World, Come Together type thing. Like, like you know, I'm, th those songs, um, they have their audience and people enjoy them and that's fine. But this song, like, it's kind of a come together song, but like you said, it's like more like, let's just be civil. It's not like, you know, let's heal the world, then everything will be perfect and there'll be no more war wars. Yeah. You really found a way to make, make it hopeful, but real, which is how I, kind of how I try to be. So good job. Thank you very much. Uh, there was probably about nine drafts of lyrics on that one. You should have seen the first draft. It was just mean-spirited. Um, <laughs> I, I had to do sur surgery on my entire brain and thought, basically, I, I said, what would I write? Okay, scrap that. Now, what's the opposite of that? Cool. Now, how would I twist that for my own sense of humor? That'll do. Um, so it was kind of a balance of, of taking all of my hate speech away and the, the hope that I keep hidden and then kind of making it a little bit more sensible and dry. And it worked with the pretty music. So that was, uh, that was a process. I've never done writing like that. You are correct. Um, that is not my wheelhouse. But it came out great. So then after that, there's, there's a little bit of like, you know, leeway between that single and the next one, and which is uh, uh, Good Things, which was like kind of like, I think you could call it the first official single of this whole project you're working on, right? Is that safe to assume? So that, so that song, it definitely hits all those boxes you talked about. Like it's very choir and church-esque and it's grand in a way. Like I feel like I'm in like a, like a wooden building and everybody's singing together. And, but it's also got a bit of a rock and roll grandness to, to it. It builds and it's good, it's good coming off the back of when the sun comes up, I think, because it's almost a similar sentiment in a way, good things are happening somewhere and can happen again, but they're just not happening right now. Was that the original first single or did you kind of like make, uh, it's gotta be the first one because everything that's going on. No, no, that was always the plan. I, I felt that way before the world started ending. So uh, <laughs> uh, that was always kind of the, the plan on that. Nice. You, you definitely, and this is gonna sound weird, but you once told me, your two favorites are Tom Waits and Typo, and you want to write songs that you might want to kill yourself, but at the end you're going to laugh and not do it. And in a way that, like, the, these songs have all kind of turned that, they all turn that corner. They all, they all kind of turn that same bend. So you definitely, like, set up a sound for yourself. And then after that, you kind of started doing the live streams, which are incredible. They're, a lot of, they're always a lot of fun. And uh, you've kind of gone through a few different like iterations of them. There was one with Christmas lights flashing and you had backing tracks. And then you did one where you had uh, different musicians with you. Talk a bit about, about doing those. Like, does it scratch the live show itch for you? Or are you still kind of trying to find a like format you like for that? Uh, you know, it's, it's such a, a necessity that I try not to think about it because at the end of the day, if I were to blanket statement, my whole situation, I despise technology, the internet live streams and uh, plenty of other things. But the second this happened, I didn't waste any time thinking about that. I got help and um, I like it when I'm playing with other people. I like playing to tracks too. It's uh, as long as the, as long as people are having fun. And fortunately, because I've set up my, like you said, I've set up my sound and my, personality to live in between these supposedly deep songs uh to use humor. 
And, and so because I can do that, even if I'm not having fun initially, I will always convince myself throughout the thing. Eventually I'm, I'm in, I, I buy my bullshit. So I'm having a good time too. And that's what the power of humor is, which is why I think it should be, you know, utilized as much as possible. And, uh, that's helped with the live stream. It's just like, I pretend that you're all in the room and actually it's, it, I, I kind of talked myself into it. It was like, I don't have to listen to you guys. I can say whatever I want. I can do whatever <laughs> I want to you. And there's a comment board I can't see. I'm legally blind. So yes, my manager might tell me, yeah, yeah, that one didn't go over well. I'm like, I don't care. I didn't hear. It's great. <laughs> uh, so now that also uh, garners some responsibility. And I, I do have to, uh, you know, the, the times we're living in, think about all that. But the live show will always be uh, its own thing. And I got to play two shows in my solo thing with my big band, my eight person band uh, or seven person band uh, who I call the capital vices, which is the uh, coolest way of of talking about the seven deadly sins. So since there were seven people in the band called Caitlin Chase and the capital vices. And the best thing is when I, when I feel like if they're annoying me or any, even one of them, I change their name to the dickhead babies. (laughs) And I will announce that on a show if I want to, if they, if they vex me, but uh I got a good, I got a good crew. I love the live show feeling, but live streams are, are the new norm now. And so get with it. Yeah. And there's so much information. I am a troglodyte, but I set up my own Logitech Brio camera. I have a ring light behind. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you can see in the window reflection cause I'm not that good. I don't have curtains in my new place yet, but I'm, if I can do this little bit, you know, I've, there's so many ways of doing really good sounding live streams now from the comfort of your own home for very little money. So I think it's a call to arms. And later on, I'm sure in the, the thing we'll talk about Rocky Horror uh, with the thing I did there and, and that live stream scenario, there's no excuse to not do something grand. God, I, I, I am looking forward to bringing that up. But uh, there, was, there was one thing I wanted to bring up. I, I was so bummed I missed the full band, band one, just life kind of happened that day. So I didn't get to watch it, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that went over well. So. Yes, yes, it did. It would have been way better if you were there, but way to be a dick. <laughs> uh, next, uh, next time, I've, I've I've made two of the four so far. So you you are you have a seat at the high table, buddy. You are forgiven. Thank you, thank you. I'm in the. Uh, I believe on the uh, the my mistake podcast. Like the if if you bu- you said if you buy when when the sun comes up, you have a seat at the high table. So I bought them all. So there you go. All right, that I'm a good salesman. That's a great. <laughs> I got to build a higher table. So there's tears here. I, I kind of started off way too hard. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's, uh, yeah. next, uh, let them come. That's, uh, that's my favorite one so far other than, uh, dear God. Uh, it's funny. I, you played that one at the second live stream and it was to a backing track and I didn't know what the song was called, but I'm like, Oh, this is cool. This is cool. I cannot wait to hear this. And then when you, when the song came out, I was like, Oh, Fuck yeah, that's good choice. Good choice. Next one. Talk a bit about that song, because to me, it's appropriate. Also, we've been talking about technology. It's you know, change is inevitable. Yes. So that's kind of what that song means to me. How did that song come together? Because it's so big and grand and kind of, you know, also classical in a way. Thank you. Uh, well, that's your. I'm so glad I got to at least be a, a part-time teacher for you because it makes me proud when you, when your brain picks up the things that was exactly where it started as the music. Um, that song, you, sometimes you have an emotion and you write a song based on that, or you have a personal story or, or thing like that. 
a lot of times I conceptualize stories and songs completely separate from myself and then write it like a movie and then I act it. So there's a lot of songs that are totally legitimate in the sense that I'm playing a character or, or singing something that somebody feels, but they're not for me. All I wanted to do was write a song that combined Earthling era David Bowie production mm. with Adele, that song, which I don't remember what it's called. So I'm gonna be that's chanty beautiful so i i so i kept telling people because i don't know how to not uh I, i'm the opposite of burying the lead i give you the end and i was like hey i'm gonna write a song it's gonna be a combination of david bowie and adele earthling era david bowie and adele and everybody's like sure buddy go ahead good job nobody could i talked to my producers i talked to the the musicians and everybody was like, okay, well, let us know when you have something. And I was like, yeah, all I need is that, that. Because I had nothing. I had the idea. So I just kept thinking, I was like, it's got to have a chant. Like that uh, uh, satellite, uh, uh, Syrian satellite song from Earthling Era. Yeah. Um, I, I don't ever sing the lyrics in case we get uh, you know, sued. So, <laughs> um, so I just I wanted to f- figure out a chant. So I just kept kind of humming things. And I was sitting in uh, my little office in Nashville. We were doing a record. Oh, we think we were doing the Hi-Fi Americana record. So my brother's there. And I was And I grabbed my acoustic, a shitty acoustic guitar uh, and just tuned it down to like B, like low B so I could oh. pretend to be a cello. So I octaved those first two strings and I was like, and I was like, the second I played the first riff, Nick, who uh, is one of my consigliere's, I trust him, turns around and says, like, what is that? I was like, that's the start. <laughs> and so I just started toying with it. And then I was just like, so I wanted to do, I initially started like, I didn't want it to be words. So I was like, say bye-bye And I was like, say bye-bye to the old way, old way. I was like, song done. And the whole story kind of, I was like, okay, got it. And then the whole thing happened i think i had that all of that before that i was like uh, and then i just like let them come it was like how do i lead into that big chant no the whole thing came together and then it was uh just filling in the blanks nice and not, not to lather your ass too much but man your vocal on that song you are hit you are punching through the ceiling and you sound great on that one you Thank really you. delivered a performance appreciate that yeah that was great it's a great song uh and also just a quick aside Earthling David Bowie, one of the most underrated albums, I think, in his catalog. You are a man of high taste. I, I have to, I always am impressed with your taste. It is 100% underrated, and I hope that you, uh, if we convince one or two people to uh, check that record out, they're going to be very happy. So we're, yep. doing, we're doing the good work here. Absolutely, we're, do, we're doing the work. And uh, next, uh, you, you alluded to it a little bit, uh, I'm just going to go out of order with the questions. I want to talk about the Rocky Horror thing because that looked really cool. And uh, I was, that was another, that was another thing I was bummed I missed. But uh, talk about that. Like you got to play Riff Raff, I believe. I did. Um, so this was, this year has, even though it's been quarantine and I've been as good as I can be granted, I've had to travel to Nashville a billion times and, uh, you know, relocate here because there's yeah. just not much work in LA. But despite not teaching at MI uh, and, everything else that's been so busy so my wife is a producer uh for internet tv film stuff um she's done a lot of different things 
And she recently acquired uh, the gig of being one of the creative producers and, and uh, line producers of uh, these table reads that everyone's doing. Mm. So it started out, I, I, and it was a big thing. So there's a company called Humble House. Shout out, you guys are great. Love you, Brett. And a promoter named Pantera Sarah, who uh, knows everybody in the business. And they were teaming up to do these big table reads. So they, they did The Princess Bride, which we watched. And Alicia got hired on at this company. So she did, um, uh, this is Spinal Tap, Dazed and Confused, Fright Night. And they were going to do Robin Hood Men in Tights, but uh, Dave Chappelle couldn't do it for some uh, scheduling reason. And they were like, we don't want to do it without him. And I totally get that. So they're all like, let's do Rocky Horror. So I'm sitting in the back line here, just watching my wife do this incredible work. And it's super time consuming and like the logistics of getting all these actors, the scripts, props, like, you know, there's a production team putting sound effects and doing like screen like cuts. So they do Rocky Horror. And they quickly realize that it's a musical. And I asked that question, I was like, how are you going to do these songs live on Zoom? Because you can't. And <laughs> they had a fuck moment. And they had a, a guy who was going to do some of the music. A, th- a lot of things changed. It started with me doing, potentially doing one or two songs. And then it started, or singing, I was going to do something with uh, Jonathan from Korn, but he couldn't do it for scheduling. So we were going to be some of the uh, featured artists. And then they asked me to, to record a couple. Long story short, within a few days, with about a week left, they basically needed me to do all of it, which is 19 songs, recreating all of the music. Oh, wow. Damn. Yeah. yeah. Um, so everything that happened on that show, all the background vocals uh, were me and uh, Brian Viglione from Dresden Dolls and our, our wonderful Joe Nagel, who plays in Time of the Dragon with me. Uh, we recorded all the artists, uh, well, we got their recordings, put it in. Brian played drums, guitar, bass. Uh, we had an incredible keyboard uh, piano player uh, uh, named Alexander who uh, just destroyed. Um, he, uh, like we, I had this team, unfortunately Brian had played the show with the Dresden Dolls with Richard O'Brien who gave us his blessing, wasn't there. Oh, nice. But we had to make all this music. So I had his studio, he had his house studio going. I had El Dorado going with Phil um creating music we i probably like between the slowest shortest day was probably 14 hours there was 20 hour days non-stop 19 songs six days all the music by us that's that's incredible i'm really kicking myself i hope that hope that can exist somewhere someday because i I would love to there's a lot of uh, youtube videos from people recording it because it was a for a charity it was a one-time stream and because we and people were like, why didn't you like get it to buy? I was like, because we can't license all that music that way. Right, right. Move, soundtrack, all this. I don't know. I don't do those things. But um, I know for a fact it's on YouTube. So check out some of those things. There's, we got some great people. I got to uh, socially distance, but in person record Lance Bass, who was an absolute pro. Nice. Even like a champion. Um, super nice guy. And we got so many great things from people. Rosario Dawson had her whole family sing and film the uh, the uh, transit beam, which I did riff raff on, and then I filmed. Yep. <laughs> I did all the riff raff vocals, and then, pardon me, I'm gonna burp. That's gross. I don't <laughs> mind. Uh, don't edit that out. And yeah, so it was it was a hellish nightmare, and one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. Nice. That sounds incredible. And Rocky Horror to me is also, it's, it, it can become such a personal thing. Like you can get attached to it. Like I know I'm really attached to that movie, 
myself. In fact, that was like the, like, you know, my, my own little tragedy. Like I lost my sibling a couple years ago. The last thing we did together was watch Rocky Horror. Oh, wow. And like six months later, she took her own life. It was really okay. sad, but, uh, but, that, yeah. but that, that movie makes me really happy now. And it's funny. It always seemed like it brought people together, like even from when I discovered it. So yeah. just for fun, what's your Rocky Horror story? Do you remember the first time you saw it? Because like, yeah, you're going to hate it. <laughs> um, I have Rocky Horror uh, splices. My, my dad, for his 30th birthday, my mom and him, uh, I was probably three or four years old, but I remember they dressed up like Riff Raff and, and Frank. <laughs> oh, Riff Raff and, and, and Minerva? Magenta. Oh, Magenta, oh, yeah. yeah. So they dressed up and went and had his birthday party um, for that. And I just remember knowing about it. And as a Tim Curry fan, who was an absolute delight, and with his stroke, we actually were able to, we had him say lines for uh, you, um, uh, Planet Schmanet. Ah, uh, nice. Song. We got him to say all the lines because he had a little you know, time delay, because but he's all there. He just has the stroke delay. And we got it. You better watch out, Janice Weiss. And it was so touching. He recorded all his lines, and then we spent the time, me and Phil, uh, Phil English from El Dorado, we spent hours making sure everything lined up perfectly for that song because we wanted him to be featured anyway i digress i never watched the movie until like i was 19 years old oh wow like, i knew it existed i appreciated the concept i loved the god but i was like also in a band i was busy i didn't do a lot other than boss people around and make music so but my wife and our roommate paul who you know the piano player plays with me yep who's in hi-fi americana they dressed up like Riff, uh, Riff Raff and uh, Magenta? Frank. Nope, they did Frank. But oh. they, are, they went to the, so my mom and dad and them, probably a couple decades apart, went every Saturday to the Rocky Horror, like they did this stuff. Oh, I love it. That's so incredible. I was surrounded by nerds and I didn't realize how, what, what I was missing. I didn't know how glorious it was. And so to get to do it as a music director and composer and and, and, and Fortunately, Brian was such an expert in it. He helped me. He, I couldn't have done it without him or Alexander. Um, but to kind of coming with a fresh perspective was really good for me. And now I'm in love with the movie. I watched it again, like for the first time in like 10, 15 years. I was like, God, we should watch this every Halloween. What are we doing? Why are we should find it? Go to a graveyard and see it on a big screen. I'm, so I'm kind of a fresh convert, which is a different perspective because everybody has such deep, seated memories of the thing but it, mine was just always knowing it was there and knowing it was cool and never never pulling the trigger on becoming a super fan nice i love it another another one another true believer <laughs> you got uh, me yeah uh let, let's talk about uh you've done some cool covers like on these live streams too you've done uh the one that stood out to me the most uh just because again you know i love that you're taking some left turns here kiss from a rose which is a really interesting choice how did that end up happening because because that's another song kind of like you know i put it in that schmaltzy category but man did it come to life for me when you sang it uh that song was one of my jams oh yeah oh my god i listened to that thing on repeat there was something about those those classical melodies that have always got i'm a melody snob i hate good songs if i don't like the melody and it's just subjective like yeah. but if the melody doesn't hit me if i don't like the way a note moves up or down right out i'll appreciate the concept and the the process and especially if it's hooky and, and successful 
But Kiss from a Rose to me was a perfect song because it's super complex, but somehow everybody's still singing along. Like if you break down that music, the little cut time things, they are the, the, the modulation, like music nerd stuff. And as a kid who was getting into music and then, you know, starting opera and classical stuff, I was like, this is a, this is a classical high concept pop song. How? And since I couldn't figure out how to do it myself, I just decided to cover it. Nice. You'll get there. You'll figure it out. I, I, I'm confident eventually, like, you know, I feel like all our influences come out somewhere somehow. So yeah. you'll get there. And that it's yeah. very well done. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, if, I'm if, planning on recording that one and releasing it. I've, unfortunately, I've got another uh, another cover in the wheelhouse right now that's going to be coming out pretty soon. Um, just debating if I want to say what it is. I can't decide yet. Is it the one you told me about when we did our last podcast? You... Oh, okay, I, 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 I won't spoil it for anyone, but you're everybody. You're in for a treat. <laughs> for a treat. <laughs> It's going to be good, and we're just finishing up the final mixes now. Um, I've got a song. Actually, my manager sent me bullet points. Let me make sure I say stuff that is correct. <laughs> yell at me if I do not. She'll hit me. Oh, I do have a uh, – before the, that, that one comes out, I got another song, which the music video is already out for Bear the Cross. Yep. Uh, another acerbic, uh, you know, ambient freak out. Uh, that's coming out December 11th on all streaming platforms. Nice. Yep. But by the way, that's that's a good segue. Actually, bear the cross. That's uh, you, you hit the hit it on the head there. Acerbic, because I was listening to that song this morning, and it's one of those songs where I like I like it when you can't make up your mind on a song. Sometimes, like it keeps you guessing, and that song does because I can't tell if you're being sympathetic to the character, or if you're if you're just going really, dude, <laughs> really, like look at you. Is it that bad? So you have your own ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I can't. It's it's one of those ones where you can't tell whether you should feel sorry for the character or not, and that actually makes it kind of beautiful. I think. Well, dude, I mean, the best part about it is we hear we hear the martyrs around us all the time. Woe is me, right? Right. But also, we have been in situations where we are literally giving you the antidote. You've taken the poison. We got the antidote. It's on paper. This will work. And out of pride, spite, human error, and just our, our own conditioning, you see your friends and loved ones, or even acquaintances, just yeah. disregard it. And that's why, and it's all based on, you know, another biblical song of prophet is never welcome in his own home. So that's why, you know, if they're, you know, shake the dust off your cloak and get out. So it's, it's, a, it's a fuck you song, and it's also a go fuck yourself song. Like, <laughs> you can you basically do your mood. And, and if we're honest enough with ourselves, we know that we play that. We play both protagonist and antagonist in, in those scenarios. Like, I know for a fact I've thought I was being magnanimous and, and, and throwing my pearls of wisdom out. And I was just being a, an attention seeking little bitch. In <laughs> uh, other times, I've genuinely tried to help people and, and was decimated for it. And that's. So that's the cool part because there's nuggets of, of legitimacy in the emotion there. And you can have whatever you're feeling is right. That's, I, I want people to just interpret what they want out of songs. I'm not going to be like, this song is about whatever you want it to be. Oh. But I want, there should, if I, if I can successfully be able to create a perspective on a song, most of the time that is two-sided, that would be amazing. Because that might start a conversation that might be civil. Absolutely. So. 
as we've kind of mentioned so far, you've been doing these as singles, which is really cool because in a way, like, you know, I, I love the album format as much as the next person. That's how I listen to music usually. So I put your stuff in a playlist. So it's like an album to me. Um, but uh, at some point, do you want to like package these together and like call it something? Or is this going to, you're just going to kind of keep doing the singles going forward? We're going we're gonna to bundle these guys together. And I've got a couple more that are already kind of in the can waiting to be mixed. And I am going to spend the first part of next year putting together the last big chunk of new, new, new material. Nice. And uh, we're gonna make we're gonna make a record. We're gonna see how we put it out and see what we do. But um, you know, hopefully with it seems like I'm getting enough. Like people are starting to kind of like you know I've got a, a nice little following of really wonderful people. Um, and if we can just keep this bolstering, I'm gonna put the whole thing out. Um, hopefully spring next year. So I got nice. a lot of reporting to do. Uh, that is the plan because I, I I agree it's singles and people who hate, hate like the concept of the single, like, or like how they're doing it now. So you just download one song. It's like, this is how it was like in the fifties and sixties. Right, yeah. Like it, it was, it was little seven inch. Like it wasn't about, there was an A side and a B side. You didn't have albums. Like, so we're just going full circle. And so I, I, I was a little hesitant, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? The whole concept of this solo record and solo project was if this was my last and only record, what would it be? So every song I choose is basically, if there was a gun to my head and I had X amount of time to do X amount of songs, which ones would I do? So, and it's kind of changing and evolving because I'll be like, I've just written a new one that it has to be on the record now. So I'm going to have to kick one out, you know, because you know, I don't want a 15 song record. 13 songs is as much as a record needs. Unless you're doing a double side record, and if you're nobody doing a double side record, go fuck yourself. So <laughs> Thirteen is the most. I'm opting probably more for twelve. We'll see. Like I don't like records that are too long. I feel the same way. I feel like if an album's gonna go over forty five minute, minutes, it better be like one of the best albums on my shelf. <laughs> yes, I I agree. So I'm I'm trying to figure all that out. Uh, and then you know the cool thing is we'll have the songs recorded. And we can do you know, B-sides and throw out little extra singles and stuff like that, keep the thing going. So I'm hoping to record enough to where I have the bonus material. Um, that's all happening in the beginning of next year. Uh, but right now it's, it's basically all Christmas record right now. That's a good segue. Uh, Hi-Fi Christmas. This is, a, this is a fun little thing that just came out, kind of yep. a companion piece to the Hi-Fi Americana album. I want to be really unprofessional really quick. Just, uh, but you can still hear my voice. I'm still in the room. Just one moment. Oh, my God. What a dick move. Terrible podcast etiquette. All right, I'm back. No worries. <laughs> no worries. But yeah, this, this Christmas record uh, that you've just dropped upon us, which is really, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you're, you're on two songs, and I'm pretty sure you're singing background vocals on others. I mean, you've got, you've got you doing White Christmas and uh, Oh Holy Night, which really, let's talk about Oh Holy Night for a second. You made it like a barroom sing-along, which is incredible. I always wanted to do it as a, I've done Oh Holy Night. So I have a long history with Christmas. Our old alma mater, Musicians Institute in 2003, uh, I believe it was 2003, maybe 2002. No, it was 2000. It, it, either way, I did a Christmas medley. I did these big concerts at our school when I was yeah. still there. I got all the teachers together. So I did a 50 person orchestrate. I wrote it all out, um, metal, like, I wanted to do what Trans-Siberian Orchestra did, but actually with real metal balls. <laughs> um, and 
Oh Holy Night was one of those. It's my all-time favorite Christmas song, followed very closely by Angels We've Heard on High by Sixpence and Under Richard. Check it out, kids. It's You can listen to it all year. Um, my mom's favorite song is White Christmas, so I wanted to do that, and it fit in with the uh, Christmas special video that we're filming. But Oh Holy Night is... I've done so many versions. I've done the acute, the really sensitive version. I've done the three-part harmony version. I was like, like, if the Pogues were trying to do it, and I'm not as dirty as the Pogues, but I was like, let me give it a whirl. So I gave it a little bit of that with the 12-string guitar and the, the chanty kind of thing. Um, give it a little swing. Well, honestly, it really came well quite well, though, didn't it? Oh, yeah. That's that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's a fun listen. Like, I'm honestly someone, like, I don't hate Christmas music in general, but I just, at one point, it feels like I'm being assaulted with Christmas music in December. So to have something that's kind of a little more in my wheelhouse with this album is really good, and it's always great to hear your voice. So... People need to go check out every, everything we've talked about today musically. Go to Bandcamp because they do better than Spotify, in my opinion, just in terms of the way they pay artists. Go download the shit. Go do it. It's incredible. Hi-Fi Americana, uh, Hi-Fi Christmas, the singles we've talked about, they're all there. So just a little plug for you. Thank you very much for the plug. Yeah, so the, the funny thing was, so I did guitar on every song. Oh, Nice. I did all the harmonies, uh, or Nick and, and Michelle, like everybody did, but I wrote and produced all the harmonies. I did all the, uh, the glockenspiel, um, all of the everything, like all that auxiliary stuff. And I did all that in Nashville. Came to LA to do a, a couple of recording things, some voiceover work. I had a voiceover gig and relax. And that's when I got the Rocky Horror gig. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, like the la and now this is all happening while selling our house in LA, moving to Nashville, <laughs> setting our house that we had in Nashville up, which was not for like people with animals. Like it's it's an air, it's a it's an income property, so we had to get out of there and move into <laughs> another place, set that thing up for rent. My parents have now moved to to Nashville with my grandma, so I was helping them move. Nice. All of this is happening in the process of doing a Christmas record, a Christmas special, which I'm still doing a uh, score for. And Rocky Horror, also preparing for my next year recording. And a uh, little plug here, about to uh, start rec uh, tomorrow, recording an EP for Paul Bell and Tony. Oh, nice, nice, yeah. uh, that'll be cool. I'm addicted uh, to uh, work and pain, apparently. I This is like not healthy. Well. Maybe Santa will bring you bring you some uh, Xanax or something just to chill you out over the holidays. Santa needs to bring me some cocaine so I can finish my job, and then I'll go to Xanax rehab. <laughs> All right, say that out loud. I, I I don't know what you can tell me about the Christmas special because uh, I'm sure there's like you want to get get stuff finished first. But is there anything little like nuggets you can drop on that when it's coming? Uh, it's gonna be out the twenty first. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna be hosting a fireside premiere, a little chit chat with all you lovely people. Um, it's gonna be. Uh, streamed and shown on whatever I, I don't know what our platform is yet uh, but we will we will get it to where you tune in I'll say hello we'll have a little chit chat I might even have some eggnog and uh and we'll watch the Christmas special and then I'll close it out with maybe a song and some chit chat with the uh the humans who are watching it's going to be a lovely holiday time nice 
And uh, I got a I got a quick question, not music related. Um, I'm happy to see that you also have your own podcast now because I really enjoy your brand of humor, oh, especially uh, Man Area people. You need to check that out. How did that end up coming together? Because it's a little there was a little break in it. There were like a few episodes that you guys kind of took a break, and you guys have kind of been putting them out more regularly. Like, how did this come about? Because this is just fun. Um, so our our a good friend of mine, uh, Michael Darling. Yep. Uh, is the uh, husband we met in LA they moved to Nashville um uh Angelica is my wife's uh, friend who's our real estate agent here so they moved to Nashville and we just always hung out we did a bunch of uh film projects for Alicia's production for like uh corporate videos he's a, an incredible filmmaker like like he does all the things I don't know all the words like lighting camera uh, editing Jack so, of all trades Yes. Yeah. So anything production wise. So we met and I, I liked him very much. So when we came here, we were chit chatting and it just, I think we were watching a football game last year and, and he's like, we should uh, do a podcast. I was like, yeah, I'm in. And it happened organically. And then when we were starting to do the filming, my brother was sitting in, he was here working on music with me. So he was <laughs> on the other end of the office with no mic on and he started chit chatting or he would, he commented once. I was like, shut up, Nick! <laughs> which became like just such a central bit. It's been, you know, so um, it's, it's a show about men in an area talking about, it's not a man show by any means because those boys are soft and I dress in drag. So um, <laughs> you know, we all have our thing. It's just an excuse to, to chit chat. I think uh, especially with the, the virus happening, the break was we actually filmed like five or six episodes um, when we were here working as, as many as we could, so we could have some teetering time. We're going to uh, get a new batch going soon. And, um, it's a free for all. I definitely hope, uh, I don't know if it's out yet, but, uh, there was one episode that was so unpleasant. Thanks to me that, uh, <laughs> Michael requested that I was, I was like refrained from any of my natural instincts in the next episode. I've so heard I, that one. I've heard that one. Oh, that so that's out. Yeah, that's out. Yeah. Oh, good. Please what's listen. Funny, what's funny is I didn't think you were that bad, actually. I didn't think you were like... No, well, the episode before that was pretty... Well, I don't know, and I don't know right. if you released the episode before that. That's the thing. You might, you might not have the segue. We recorded uh, three in tandem, and I went hard and heavy on the episode before. Because there, oh, there was an episode... It's the one where you talk about ghost hunting. And then the next episode is the one where you mentioned, like, you know, Michael has asked me to be a little more pleasant this one. So you kind of... It's one of my ghost no, no, no. No, it wasn't Ghost Hunting. Okay, so then it's not out yet. We're going to put out. it out special. We didn't... I don't think he wanted to vilify me. I think he wanted to kind of, like, make it happen naturally because we were going to do more Choose Your Own Adventure. And the rule is I cannot prepare um, like that one. I have to be able to do this improv style. Right. Which is what I do at the end of my... Uh, I, I, so I don't know how many of the last ones you've seen, but my, I'm really going with a rule on, on improv. I ask three questions to the audience. Generally, it could be a state, a food, or uh, that's my new, like, you know, I ask for like a mood, uh, a state, and a food. And then, I, and then I'll ask for a letter from A to G to get the key so that everybody knows that this is a truly authentic improv thing. I'm really trying to keep that going. Nice. Um, I'm all about the improv now. 
Yeah, that that game, that episode where you game master is incre- incredible because I, I love the, the situation you put you put Mike in where he's like in a haunted house with Sir Patrick Stewart. It's just great. I recommend everybody check that one out. And uh, <laughs> I can only imagine what's coming because the other the other episode that always like it just kills me. I've revisited it a few times just because it's so damn funny. All I'll say is Thirteen Great Danes, Nick. Thirteen Great Danes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm. Um, you know what? Well. We're going to save that actual story for another podcast. I want them to listen to uh, yep. this one first uh, because it's horrid. It's just a horrid <laughs> thing I did. Horrid. Horrid, but, man, I was, I was about on the floor as you were you telling that story. You can't argue with the No, humor. you can't. Uh, well, Kaylin, may I just say, this has been incredible. You're one of my favorite people to hang out with and talk to, and I really hope – after all this, like I, I spend a lot of, little more time in Nashville now too. I work in publishing, so I travel for that. And Nashville's a music hotbed, so I'm hoping we can share a drink and some food in the not too distant future. Hopefully. Amen to that. I think we're all on the same page there, and uh, I concur. Love hanging out with you, my friend. Uh, and I'm gonna try to do it, worst case scenario if the music is taking a long time. I'm just gonna try to do some kind of crime to where we have something to talk about so I can get back on with you soon. <laughs> nice. I, I love it. We can do, we can do the cron- Kalen's Crime Chronicles. It'll be great. Oh, we could actually do that already. If you, if, you, hey, if you run out of guests and you need that, I'll just talk about some past crimes. Most of them, I think I'm uh, past the, uh, what's that called? Oh, uh, 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 I, I, know, I know what you mean. But Statue it's, it's, of Limitations. Statue of Limitations, yes. Yeah, I'm drinking but, again. But, but they, can't, they can't get you. Look, if you can survive being fumigated, you can survive anything at this point. <laughs> That's what I'm. I'm like a, a pale little cockroach. <laughs> Bad penny. Uh, not going anywhere. But thanks again, man. Do you have anything you want to like, like plug just to wrap this up? Like other than like the stuff we've talked about already. Let me check the bullet points. Yes. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it one more time. Bear the cross on all streaming platforms on December 11th. Hi-Fi Americana Christmas out now with a Christmas special. Debuting. 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 On December 21st, follow me on Instagram. She wrote this. At, that's the uh, thingy with the A, like a little butthole. Kaylin Chase. Kaylin underscore Chase. How was that? Beautiful. And may I just add, or else. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I will find you. (laughs) I'm so bored. (laughs) <laughs> I'm only working 20 hours a day on 13 music projects. I will find the time to get you. <laughs> you will. You will. Thank Kalen sincerely from the bottom of my heart. Thanks again, man. It's been great hanging and uh, hopefully we don't have to wait too long to do this again. Amen to that. I will try to be newsworthy for you, Sly Dog, and uh, don't do anything I wouldn't do. <laughs> All right. So the list is short. All right. I'm the no. Sly Dog. I'm the Sly Dog. Peace, love, and music. Say bye bye to the old way, old way. Say bye bye to the old. Say bye bye to the old way, old way. Say bye bye to the old. Say bye bye to the old way, old way. Say bye bye to the old. Say bye bye to the old way, old way. Say bye bye to the old. We saw how they arrived. The sea. Engine so bright, but the first gets to arrive. A desperate fool's barely alive. They want a taste of this, a pure and simple bliss. But they'll only taste the ashes, such sweet disappointment. Yeah, they got.
Smack the concrete proof despite their good intentions I wish I could believe the change is all we need But change for change's sake is nothing but soliloquies Yeah, they got the numbers, but they're mad to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.